Hey, good evening, church family. My name is Matt Moberg. I'm one of the pastors here at the table, and welcome to our online experience. Uh, thank you for showing up. Thank you for participating, and please do participate. Get get chatty in that chat. Slide into one another's you know DMs. You know, ideally not in like a creepy or invasive way, but. Um, let's continue to do community even in the midst of the absence of being able to physically come together to do community. I have a couple of announcements for you before Debbie Manning comes through with a message. First announcement is this, is that next week we still will not be gathering as a people because the Cincinnati Bengals have requested our support and who are we to not be there for another Midwestern city uh, that deals with winters like ours. They need us now more than they've ever needed us before and so we will not be gathering as a church because we're hoping that you'll gather as a people. You know, I, we've said this before and I don't want to go on a diatribe about this, but I don't want church to interfere with church. We don't want church to interrupt the life of the community. And so go get together with friends, watch the game, eat good food. Um, ask me if you need a buffalo chicken dip because I came across one the other day that is chef's kiss. Next announcement is this, is that we will be partnering with um, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, which I'm very excited about as we continue to try to explore what, the, what are ways that we can link arms and share resources and and co-create community together. We're gonna to be partnering with them on the 2nd of March for our Ash Wednesday service. We've kind of been on and off again with our Ash Wednesdays in the past, um, but we're going to join them in theirs and it's gonna be beautiful. And so the details for that will be on our website at thetablempls.com, um, but put it on your calendar, the 2nd of, of March, and we would love to see you at church for that. Next announcement is this, is that we do have a texting slide, um, excuse me, we have a texting line, that number that to, okay, start over, slow down, Matt. If you'd like to be part of our community and stay connected at all times, 24 seven with Maggie Keller texting you maybe two times a week, sometimes three, especially in the holiday season, text the word table to 33222 and we will make sure that you are on that line. Again, that is texting the word table to the number 33222. Last announcement is that um, this community it runs on your generosity, on all of us playing a part in keeping the lights on. And so if, if there is something inside of the life of this community that has been edifying for you, that has equipped you to be fully who you are, then we would ask that you would chip back in and help us keep the lights on. Um, that's the only way that this thing continues to happen. Many of you have done that, and for that, we are so grateful. We have been blown away by the generosity of the people that call this church home. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. The best way to give would be on our website. Again, that is www.thetablempls.com. There you'll find a giving tab, and uh, we will we'll take it from there. Okay, so now with those announcements out of the way, I do want to say one thing before Debbie comes up to speak. This has been a very hard week, period. And that feels um, like it, that language feels like it belittles how hard it actually has been. I think I would use more ex expletives if there weren't uh, kids on the other side of the camera. But this has been a hard and traumatizing and grief-filled week. I have sat with different community members as tears have hit the floor and as curse words hit the air. This has been one of those weeks where we were reminded as a church once again that the most pressing conversation that our community faces, the most pressing question that we have to answer is not when will we get to do in-person worship again, but how is our neighbors being loved? How are our neighbors 
experiencing the love of our community? Is it a protective love? Is it a compassionate love? Is it an empathetic love? Is it a love that ensures that all lives are being protected and prioritized in this city because we all belong to one another and if one person goes down, we all go down. This week was a hard week. This week we had Jamari Rice who was killed on the streets of Richfield. Uh, from gun violence. And then less than 24 hours later, Amir Locke was killed sleeping in his apartment, waking up to the sounds of intruders shouting inaudible things and kicking his couch. There's a lot of pontificating that uh, I guess we could do, but I don't think that's helpful right now. We'll have conversations. This will become something that we will continue to talk about. And, and not just in the abstract way, but figure out what does it look for, like for us to pragmatically embody solidarity, um, move beyond sound bites into actually steps. There's a lot of things we need to talk about, but right now we just need to sit and we need to be still and we need to be silent. And so before Debbie comes up, I want you to sit in silence with these two men who were killed this past week and um, offer up your prayers, feel the weight of their humanity. And then I'm gonna have Debbie come up and speak. We love you guys, we are together in this. Hi everyone, glad you're with us tonight. I'm Debbie Manning, one of your pastors from the table. And I just wanted to thank Matt for his words and uh, just know that we are a community that cares and we grieve alongside those that are grieving and our desire is to stand with um, systemic injustices and racism and all the things that we continue to battle in our community. So we are so grateful that you guys stand in that with us as we carry on and continue to try to be the church in, in a time that feels um, hard and uncertain. So thanks for being with us tonight. This has been kind of a crazy month, hasn't it? This month of January, I don't know about for you all, but um, Steve and I ended up with COVID early in the month um, and we actually got sick and it actually lasted a while. I think it was day 11 when I finally tested um, negative for COVID. And unfortunately for us, during that period of time, Steve's mom was dying um, just out west here in Minnetonka. And gratefully, many of his siblings, most of them were able to come and be with her. And Steve had a goodbye through a window. But another one of those little losses that I know so many of us have been experiencing during this time of COVID. So grateful that we can stand together in all this. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we're hearing that, and sounds like cases are decreasing. And in just a few weeks, we will hopefully be back together in person because we miss you all. We miss you all a lot. I am hanging on tight to vacation. 
So it's been a while since my family and I have been able to vacation. It's, it'll be two years this summer when we went up north. And when I think about this vacation that we're getting ready to go on, all of us, kids, grandkids, um, and I think about the text tonight. Because the text tonight talks about water and a lake and, and maybe what it happens when we uh, jump into the deep water. I think about my last vacation, I think about the text, I'm reminded of that last vacation up north in the Boundary Waters. So at the time, so this will be two years ago this summer, I had the greatest resort that I had been at years ago and I encouraged everyone, this will be awesome. And they assured us that it slept 11 well. There were seven adults and there were three littles. So a three-year-old at the time, Soren, and two babies. My daughter Annie couldn't make it because of a uh, residency commitment. But uh, we headed up and what we found was not quite what we were expecting on this vacation. Didn't quite sleep everyone, so Steve and I, the elders of the group, actually slept on the floor on a screened-in porch, which was awesome, because we kind of had our own space until the night. It poured rain, and the rain like whipped in on us all through the night. The other thing was we had to share a bathroom. Seven adults, one tiny little bathroom. There was a roof that leaked, and it, it just, let's just say I got a lot of grief for assuring everyone this was the greatest place. But what was so beautiful about it was that it, it was on the edge of the Boundary Waters. And we are outdoor people. We are outdoor people. But what happened that we didn't expect is that our little three-year-old grandson, Soren, he wasn't so sure about the outdoors. And his parents that are big hikers and bikers and skiers, they just didn't know what to do with it. Because a lot of our rhythm throughout the week was, hey, Soren, we're going to go down to the beach and swim. And he'd be playing with his toys inside, and he'd look up, and his little lip would quiver, and he'd go, okay, I, I want to play at the beach all day long. <laughs> and so, and then it'd be again, we're going to go fishing. Okay, I want to fish all day long. So over and over again in those few, first few days, um, it took Sorn a while to trust us, to ease into just the joy, the full life on the beach, in the water, even fishing. And by the end of that trip, he went just a little bit deeper into the water, just a little bit deeper into the water, and he experienced a life that he really didn't know before. And it was a pretty amazing thing. And it ties in really well with what we're talking about tonight. So Matt kicked us off last week. Not kicked us off. We're continuing in the revised common lectionary. And he was talking to us about the prophet Jeremiah and his initial call into ministry. The war, word of the Lord came to him. And Matt talked about how God enters our story, that God doesn't call us to put aside our humanity, but actually enters our humanity and that's where story and um, spirit are all tangled up together in this beautiful call on all of our lives. And I think that what's so important for us is that call stories look different. They're big, they're small, they're unique to who we are. They're in the ordinary of everyday life. But tonight we're in another call story. We're in Luke in the story of when Jesus calls the disciples. And at this point in Jesus's, in Luke, what we see is that Jesus, well, he was uh, kicked out of Nazareth, and then he's floating around Galilee in different towns, and he's preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons, and he collects quite a crowd. And here we are in, in Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. 
He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little more from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you, now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up onto the shore. They left everything and followed him. Well, right here, we have this beautiful story, right? A provision and abundance. But provision isn't really the focus of this story because this story goes beyond the big catch. This is a call story. Now, Luke writes about, right, lakes and boats and nets and fishermen, but this isn't a story about fishing. It's a story about life. It's a story about transformation. Not just Simon's and the disciples, but I think a story for us as well. Because Jesus is calling Simon to a new life, a new way of being. And it happens in this context of fishing because that's what Simon knows. And it's exactly what Matt talked about last week, that God enters our story. God enters our humanity. And Jesus comes in these ordinary, everyday circumstances of our lives. And so whether we fish or not, we're asked to put out into the deep water and to cast our nets for a catch. Now, as I look at this story, I figure it's a pretty long night for Simon. He's done everything a good fisherman would do, I'm sure. Everything he's been taught, everything he's done night after night, day after day, week after week, season after season. But tonight's different. Tonight is different because the usual routine doesn't work for him. His net is empty. He's got nothing. And I think where we can relate to this is that we've all experienced that empty net syndrome, right? That time when we've really desired something or we needed something or we were hoping for something and we did everything right. We worked hard, we did all the right things, we prayed, we lived faithfully. But at the end of the day, our nets came up empty. And when that happens, where does that leave us? It leaves us, I think, feeling empty, feeling discouraged, feeling um, lost, feeling uncertain, disappointed, maybe even angry. Gosh, we've done all the right things. We all know that feeling that I think Simon probably had that night. But here's Jesus, and after he's done teaching to the crowds out there, he turns and he puts all his attention on Simon in that boat. And he says, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put into deep water. That is so rich, just that statement alone. Because what Jesus is saying is there's a whole lot of unexplored areas out there that is so far beyond anything that any of us could know or hope or imagine. And then Simon responds, right? We've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, okay, I'll do it. I'll let down the notes, the nets. 
But what do you think Simon was thinking? We've worked hard all night. There's nothing there. Have you taken a look at the nets? Have you been on the boat? Don't you think it's time maybe to throw in the towel? Yet, his response is, well, if you say so, okay. And what I hear in Simon, which I hear in a lot of us, even as we've moved through COVID and some of these really difficult times, I hear this sort of exhaustion, maybe even uncertainty, but the both and of, but obedience. He says yes, even in the midst of all that. He acknowledges this reality, but is still willing to listen and to try something new. And that, that changes everything, doesn't it? But I think there's something in Simon's answer, his yes, if you say so. And that obedience, that saying yes, that comes from deep inside of us. I think at the end of the day, that's how the spirit moves. That's when we know there's this rightness, like even if it doesn't make sense, there's this time that sometimes we feel this deep desiring, something that's calling us and pulling us into something that we're not quite sure what it's all about. And sometimes those pushes, those callings, they take effort. It's even sacrificial. And like I said, it doesn't always even make sense. I want to go back to that idea of empty nets, though, because I think we all experience empty nets. And I think that sometimes in the midst of empty nets, maybe even more so when our nets are empty, it's when we feel that call. When we feel that push into something bigger, something beyond us, something that points to God. I think in our wiring, we have this desire to connect to connect with God, to connect with one another, to have meaningful lives that matter, that go beyond these worldly accomplishes, accomplishments, that go beyond what culture tells us makes us happy and successful. We want a life that's abundant. And that's how we all want to live, right? And isn't that what we want for those that we love? Isn't that how we believe the world should be? An abundant life, a just life, a safe life for everybody? I think that wiring is deep inside of us. But what if in the midst of those empty nets, what if those places where we feel stuck, frustrated, empty, restless, disappointed, as if we've missed the boat, what if those are the deep waters where we're supposed to let down our nets? Jesus didn't let Simon and the other disciples run away from their exhaustion their disappointment, their empty nets. He sent them back into the deep water to let down their nets for a catch. And they were absolutely amazed at what happened. There were so many fish that their nets couldn't hold them. So that makes me think that the antidote to empty nets is deep water. Put into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch, says Jesus. That kind of makes sense. But certainly I think we'd all agree that that's a lot easier said than done. Because oftentimes I think that frustration and fatigue and fear and despair, it makes it hard to leave the shore, doesn't it? Because sometimes it seems like there's nothing to do but sit on the shore and tend to our empty nets. Sure feels more comfortable sometimes, safer, easier. But those nets, they only are those empty nets on the shore are only a reminder of what we haven't caught. The 
ask is difficult, there's no doubt. Because there's something in the deep that I think can be frightening and even a little bit scary. Deep water's risky. You can't touch the bottom. Sometimes you can't see what's beneath you. You can't see to the bottom. People drown in deep water. And maybe that's the point. The deep is the place where we both drown and we both swim. But we can't be content to just stay in the shallow water because it is safe and it is com comfortable and it is familiar. And it gets scary when we step out, just like our little Soren on that trip up north. It was scary to step out into that water, but boy, once he did, he experienced a full life that he hadn't known before. The deep is where we must go. I'm convinced of it. We have to go to the deep. It's what we need. It's what the world needs right now. And as a community, I think we can do that. I was thinking about, you know, what we value in this culture so much, right, is, is sort of worldly success. I make a lot of money, or I look good, or I have a lot. I don't think the world needs more of that. I think what the world needs more of is deep people, people that are willing to go into the deep end, to get in over their head, to reach where they can't see, to stand where they can't touch the bottom. We have to trust beyond our understanding and our own fear. And I think we're called to do that as people who follow Jesus. I imagine that Simon and the disciples had no idea what they were getting into when they cast those nets into the deep end. Well, I'll tell you, the whole thing reminds me about our story. And I say our story because it isn't just mine and Matt's and Patty and Christian's story, because we are the ones that were the, part of the leadership team when we decided to launch this church into the city. But jumping into the deep end reminds us of our table story. Because about seven, eight years ago, for several years, this team of people that I just named, me, Matt, Patty, Christian, it was heavy on our hearts over and over again. We'd have conversations about what could this community be like if we were in the city, if we were in a space that maybe allowed us to embrace our values and who we thought it, what it looked like to follow Jesus. And over and over again, over a two-year period, we would have this conversation. Nothing came of it. We were under the umbrella of Christ Presbyterian Church. We were a community that met there on Sunday nights. And in many ways, we had it all. We didn't have to think about resources or technology because they had a whole team of people who did all that. But about two years into that process, we had a meeting at my house. And the four of us were there, and we were talking about just planning the next year. And this came up again, this idea of, do you feel that call, that pull to take this church and move it into the city? That it might be a place that felt more welcoming, that more people might feel more comfortable coming to. And at that meeting, we all sort of finally said, I think we need to let go of that, that deep, deep desire. It just doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. And so my team left my house and literally as soon as they left the house, I opened my computer at my kitchen counter because I wanted to check my emails. And at the top of the email was an email from an old preaching professor over at Bethel Seminary, who also was the interim pro professor at Knox Church over in Minneapolis. And literally the first few sentences were, Debbie, been a long time, wondering how you and the table are doing. I'd love to talk to you about partnering with some space we have. And I mean, 
It blew me away. I mean, this feels like a big Holy Spirit moment. And I got on that phone with Matt. He was still in his car on his way home. And he said, quick, get a meeting with him. Let's meet with him and move forward. And that is how that process happened. And I'll tell you, friends, we jumped into the deep end. And when I say we, I'm saying all of us, because for a lot of you that we invited to come along with us or to discern, where did you feel called to stay at CPC or come with us? That was a hard question. There was a lot to leave behind. And, and as we move forward into what we believed and still believe is this call, we had no idea what was ahead. We had no idea about the hard conversations that happened with our elder board and our leadership board and our own community. But we knew to live the life that we felt God was calling us to live as a church. We had to throw those nets out into the deep end, even though we couldn't see below the water. We didn't know what was ahead. We had this, some, by the grace of God, deep sense of the Spirit moving that kept pushing us through the next conversation, that kept pushing us through the next door until finally CPC said, go, bless you, start this church, and we did. And amazing things have happened, things we would have never have guessed, never imagined, never dreamed. And even through this whole period of COVID, how this church has continued to be the church, to be the church with each other, to be the church in this community, and when you step out in faith, it's pretty beautiful. It's pretty crazy what happens. And that's our table story. And it's easy to hear today's story, right? To hear it as the story in which, which Jesus fulfills the desire of Simon and his companions to, to catch fish and be successful, to make a living. But here's the other piece of the story that's so important. And that's this. What did they do with their fish, with their money that they would have made at the market if they would have gone to sell their fish? You know what they did? They walked away. They left everything and they followed Jesus and they walked away. And the beautiful thing in that is that wasn't the end of their story. That was the beginning of their story. And that is so similar to our story as a community. We walked away and left everything. I mean, I still remember those first weeks and months at Knox going, oh, like, how, how do we have to do this stuff with mics and technology? And oh, because we didn't have to do that for ourselves. And oh, we got a budget we have to manage because that was taking care of us for us. Oh, we got to think about like running a children's ministry and childcare because that happened already when we were over at Christ Presbyterian Church. We walked away and left everything. We walked away and left everything. And for us too, it wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning of something new, of something full of life, of something evolving and growing. And we all get to be a part of that. I think what the disciples was so interesting to me is that the initial desire that took them to the lake that wasn't what this was about. It was a, a desire beyond a desire that they didn't even know about. And I think that's how the spirit works. We're not even quite sure what it is we're working toward. But every now and then, God surprises us, calls us to, to step into something else. There's a, a Episcopal priest that I follow. I think I've told you guys this before. His name is, name is Father Mike Marsh. 
And he talks about the spirit moving in terms of desire beyond desire. And I'm quoting him here. That desire beyond desire is why we still cast our nets even after a night of having caught nothing. It's why we struggle to do the right thing and to live with integrity. It's why we forgive and make amends. It's why we speak for justice and the dignity of every human being. It's why we open our hearts and we risk living. It's why we get up each morning and put out into the deep water. That deep water, friends, is a place of sacred transformation, a place for new life, a place for abundance beyond quantity. That's why I love this story. The climax of the story isn't about abundance. The climax of the story is a call. It's a call to follow Jesus. Jesus has a whole new role, a whole new life for the disciples. It's the same thing he has for us. And what's beautiful about this story, they do. They go out and they gather people and they tell stories about Jesus and his teachings. And they follow Jesus while leading and serving. And ultimately, that's our call as the church. We are a church that claim to practice the ways of Jesus. And again, we do that together. So here's my challenge. challenge. Instead of washing nets and going home, Let's open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and let's be listening for that deeper desire, that movement of the Spirit. Let's, let's be attentive to what lies beneath the surface, the surface. I think when we make ourselves available to what the Spirit's doing, even if we don't know what's below us, even if we can't see clearly, even if we're uncertain, it's good. There's a rightness in it. And I love that we can hang on to each other's hands and do it together because it's in that unfolding before us that continues to happen in all sorts of circumstances, in all sorts of ways, the ordinary, the extraordinary, that I think we bring the kingdom here. That's all I have for you today. I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us and I'm so grateful that it looks like we'll be together in a couple weeks. So with that, everybody, good night. At the center of every service, every time we get together, is the bread and the cup. It is the remembrance of Jesus' final hours when he gathered with his friends for one final meal. And after the dinner had died down and the conversations were all but dried up, Jesus could sense that the hourglass was running low. And he reached his hand into the middle of the table and he picked up a piece of bread. And he lifted that piece of bread and then he spoke about that piece of bread and he said, Guys, this is my body and it's about to be broken for you. When you guys get together in the future and you have this meal and you remember my life, remember me. Remember how I opened myself up to you, how I called the best out of you, remember me. In the same way, he reached his hand for the glass of wine and he said, this is my blood. It's the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins to wipe away all shame and all the things that are keeping you small when I called you to live large. When you get together in the future and you have the bread and you have this wine, remember me. 
And so that's what we do. Every week we remember that story, remember that scene, and we try to remember Jesus. We remember him. We participate in the life of Christ by doing this together. And so if you are with somebody, uh, now would be a great time to turn to them with whatever your elements may be. Um, and say these words that I'll say to you who are alone. This is the body of Christ, and it is broken just for you. This is the cup of Christ, the blood of Christ, and it is shed just for you. When we do this every week, we also pray the prayer together that Jesus taught us to pray. And so will you join me wherever you are, however you want to participate, and say the prayer with us. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.